Okay, hello everybody, today is Thursday, and on Thursdays this year, I've been doing a regular segment about the disappearance of Donna Lass from 1970. Donna Lass disappeared on September 6th of that year. She was working the 6pm to 2am shift at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino, where she worked as a nurse at the first aid station. Donna was set to complete her shift at 2am on September 6th, however... At some time between 1.40 a.m. and 2 a.m., she disappeared, vanished into thin air, and it really is a mystery as to what happened to her. Some people believe that she was murdered by the Zodiac Killer, and over the past several weeks, we've looked at several alternative possibilities that she could have been attacked and abducted by an ex-lover slash ex-boyfriend, or it could have been an opportunistic predator, or maybe someone who had a lot more familiarity with her than just an opportunistic predator, someone such as a co-worker, um, an extended guest at the hotel. Many different possibilities have been explored, so I hope that you will visit the previous episodes if you have not heard them. But in this episode, I hope you'll stay tuned because we're going to talk about some crimes that could possibly be connected to the disappearance of Donna Lass and... I think that there is a very big way that we can tie it all together. And as always, you can like, subscribe, follow along on Facebook, Instagram. There's a whole bunch of things in the description box, including the Teespring page and so on. But let's first begin with the 1970 murder of a woman named Nancy Benelak. I first began talking about her on this channel because I was reading Lyndon Lafferty's book, The Zodiac Killer Cover-Up, and I looked into the um, case just in the smallest possible way, did a couple Google searches, and I was very critical of Lyndon Lafferty's theory about the disappearance of Donna Lass, and I might as well go back to his book, and I'm holding my copy of The Zodiac Killer Cover-Up by Lyndon Lafferty, and he will share something about uh, the disappearance of Donna Lass. I've read this before on the channel, but I'll just reread it again. The Zodiac was planning to kill a girl at Lake Tahoe in September. In his book Zodiac, Robert Graysmith stated that our suspect, William Joseph Grant, received a traffic citation at Lake Tahoe during the exact period Donna Lass disappeared. We've never been able to confirm this piece of evidence with the authorities in California or Nevada, and Graysmith tells us he cannot recall how he acquired it. One month after Donna Lass disappeared on September 26, 1970, remember the Lake Berryessa killing took place on September 27th of 1969, Nancy Benelak, age 28, was murdered in her home on October 26 in Sacramento. Strange as it seems, Nancy Benelak was a court reporter and the attack later on and the attack later on on a woman named Isabel Watson, another legal secretary like our suspect's wife, may have had absolutely nothing in common with the others. All right, so Firstly, I've said many times on the channel, Lyndon Lafferty got the date wrong about the disappearance of Donna Lass. She disappeared on September 6th of 1970, not September 26th. But he had this theory about how the Zodiac Killer was a sexual predator, someone who got off on killing women, even though he believes that the Zodiac was a bisexual named William Joseph Grant. However, he did believe that he hated women, and he was indeed trying to fuel sexual urges. It's one of the 
one of the few theories that actually incorporates that into the Zodiac world. Most people think that the Zodiac was just simply a calculating criminal. Cold, methodical, and calculating are the ones that or the adjectives that come to mind that most people would use. However, Lyndon Lafferty thought the Zodiac was sexually motivated, targeting women. He accuses um, his suspect in the Zodiac mystery of committing at least 41 murders, including Donna Lass, but also Nancy Benelak. And when I was um, interviewing Ann Penn with the Zodiac Killer Interviews with the Experts series on the Zodiac Killer channel, which I invite you to listen to, I cannot... Uh, Thank you guys enough. Feel free to go over to the Zodiac Killer channel and check out all those awesome interviews with our awesome guests. I said this um, statement right here, that Nancy Benelak was murdered on October 26th of 1970. That is also wrong. Please excuse me if I... Please excuse me for making this m mistake. Nancy Benelak was murdered on October 25th of 1970, not October 26th. That is another error in Lyndon Lafferty's book. And part of me is like, is this book a CIA disinfo tool? I mean, is this meant to just mislead people on purpose? Because Lyndon Lafferty is presenting himself as someone who's been following the case from the beginning, who was in the Bay Area at the time that the Zodiac murders were taking place, and he had hands-on investigations trying to catch the Zodiac killer himself. So he says, yet this book is just filled with misinformation, and as Mike Rodelli pointed out, many, many examples of how Lyndon Lafferty was just recreating conversations in which he wasn't present for at the time that these conversations happened, so you'd have to wonder what's going on with the exception of the chapter that gives the disclaimer that, okay, this is mostly fiction because Lyndon wasn't present for that. But this whole theory about how Donald Lass was abducted and murdered by the Zodiac Killer, who's operating in not only a sexually motivated way, but also a calculating way that the killer's working in cycles, that Cecilia Shepard was murdered well, attacked on September 27th of 1969, and that even though it's off by a day, Donna Lash was supposed to have been attacked and murdered on September 26th, and then Nancy Benelak was supposed to have been murdered a month after that, 13 months. Yeah, okay, this guy's sexually motivated and he's following his urges, but his urges only happen at calculated intervals. I've never met any human being like that. Well, maybe. I mean, okay, let's not go down that pathway. But more importantly, that is just blending in a bunch of very ridiculous ideas. And also, they're completely wrong because the dates do not match up. And it was very um, frustrating to even see that the date for the murder of Nancy Benelak was incorrect in his book as well. To help us out, we're going to go over to an article from KCRA staff to hear about the murder of Nancy Benelak. Nancy Benelak was found stabbed to death in the bedroom of her apartment in 1970, and the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department is still looking for the person responsible. About 11.30 p.m. on October 25th of 1970, Nancy Benelak, then aged 27, and her fiancé returned to her apartment after a night out. Her fiancé returned to his home later that night. The following day, Benelak did not show up for work. Her co-worker called her son, 
that's the co-worker's son, mind you, and asked him to check on Nancy. With the help of the apartment manager, the co-worker's son opened up Benelak's apartment and found her murdered. Okay, firstly, I can almost cut Lyndon a little bit of slack for max mixing up the date with the Benelak murder, October 25th versus 26th, because it is 11.30 p.m. just before October 26th, but I'm only being hard on him because his book is so amazingly full filled with errors. And did you also hear about how this article says that she was 27 and he said that she was 28 at the time? Errors galore. He did stab her numerous times. He cut her neck, almost decapitating her, retired Sacramento County Sheriff's Department Sergeant Michaela Link said. There appears to be no sexual assault. The suspect cut himself during the attack, and the deputies have a DNA profile of the person who killed Nancy Benelak. Deputies found similar similarities to a different case that happened earlier that year in the murder of Judith Hakari. And I'll say something about her in just a second, but number one, if they have a DNA profile, I think that this definitely goes into a particular category. Because when I was talking to Ann Penn during our interview, author of the uh, What If book about Golden State Killer Zodiac Solved, she said that she does not believe that the Zodiac Killer murdered Sherry Jo Bates in 1966 because they have a DNA profile, and her suspect has had his DNA entered into the system, and it didn't match. So, I think that anybody who has a suspect with DNA in the system that, to the best of our knowledge, could have been compared with Nan the perpetrator in the Nancy Penelak case, maybe that's some food for thought about eliminating certain people. And also... I am noticing a lot of similarities, though, with the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, who was murdered on October 30th of 1966. The stab wounds being slashed across the neck, almost decapitated. Those words definitely come up during commentary on the Bates murder, but I do not believe that Sherry Jo Bates was murdered by the Zodiac, and I think it's highly improbable that just some way, somehow, the case of Nancy Benelak is connected to the Bates murder, not to mention that Sherry Jo Bates was murdered outside of her home, and Nancy Benelak is found in her apartment. But it does make you wonder, though, about what would be the motivation for somebody to attack Nancy Benelak, though, if they aren't sexually assaulting her? I mean, is it just a botched burglary? Is it just um, an altercation? I may be able to answer something about that. But first, um, let's read about the murder of Judith Hakari. Deputies found similarities to a case that happened earlier that year, Judith Hakari's murder. Both women were around the same age and lived less than a mile from each other. They were both soon to be married. Deputies have not found a connection linking the cases together other than those similarities. And they're absolutely going to need more than that because even though this thing about how they're both expecting to be married, it makes you curious. Oh, it makes you curious. Like, is there a serial killer who got dumped right before he was set to be married? Is there a serial killer who got betrayed by his fiance in some way? And now he's retaliating on women who are about to be married? It gets you curious, but that is not enough hard evidence. And that's just substituting torturous reasoning for hard evidence. So at this time, we have to play that card. But if anybody remembers these cases or was around during the time, it would be nice to get information from people that they that that knew that it was important to them, but were just kind of afraid to come forward, uh, Link said. And if you have any information regarding 
the Judith Akari murder or the murder of Nancy Benelak, please call the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department at 916-874-8477. All right, though, so much appreciated to that KCRA news article and just citing the source. Now, here's one problem with ex examining the disappearance of Donna Lass and the murder of Nancy Benelak. The first point is something that Mark Hewitt brought up in our most recent interview on the Zodiac Killer channel, and that is that, I mean, he asked me the question, like, was Donna Lass ever murdered? I mean, like, do we actually know that she was murdered? I'm like, no. And he just said that we aren't even sure if Donna Lass is dead. Is it, I mean, no one has ever had any evidence going in any type of direction. We simply do not know what happened to Donna Lass. I will tell you in every fiber of, of my being, I believe that Donna Lass was murdered, but we simply don't have those facts. Think about all of the details that I just read off about the murder of Nancy Benelak, that she was murdered in her home, she was stabbed, she was cut across the throat, nearly decapitated. It was at 11.30 p.m. on October 25th of 1970. All of that information with 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 Donna Lass, we simply don't know what happened to her, and that's why people can build these far out and wacky theories, like the case breakers and Dale Zulin, who are saying that she was abducted and then taken to the woods um, surrounding Lake Tahoe and hanged from a tree. Well, people can come up with those types of theories because we simply do not have any way of contradicting them. But if anything, I would hope that people are not going to put too much thought into Lyndon Lafferty's sexually motivated cycle theory about how the Zodiac abducted Donna Lass to commemorate the Lake Berryessa stabbing anniversary, and then 13 months after Lake Berryessa's the murder of Nancy Benelak. Almost every single thing in Lafferty's book was wrong. Like, it's almost like he's trying to get it wrong on purpose. So, I'm going to bring up another case that I've talked about before on the channel, but I would like to do something more expansive. However, I have a very borderline unconnected segue into it. And first, giving a shout-out to Professor Japanese 7 who left a comment on my recent episode about who is the best true crime YouTuber. I did that for the Anything Goes segment on Fridays. And, you know, if you subscribe to the channel, you can follow along with all of these discussions. And he said that Bella Fiore is a babe, talking about the YouTuber, I think the exact quote was, Bella is a babe, but I wanted to provide some context for that. Bella is a babe, but I believe she's being stalked, and, you know, that is a real shame, and I absolutely hope that that is uh, going to end very soon and that no one is bothering her. But I was listening to the show Crime After Crime, a podcast that I highly recommend. There's a YouTube version as well, and it's hosted by the true crime YouTubers, John Lorden and Daniel Halland. And Daniel Halland told a story recently on that on the most recent episode of Crime After Crime when she said that somebody started stalking her in a very bizarre way. Like, he learned where she lived and found her address, but he would only send her pizzas... And part of me was like, hey, that's still um, that's still not good, that's still bad, this person is still cyber-stalking and harassing you to a certain extent. But at the same time, I was like, 
I really wonder how I would feel if somebody started stalking and harassing me in by sending me pizzas. I mean, it depends on what's on it. If you send me an anchovy pizza right now, you're getting blocked off of everything, and I'm calling the flippin' police on you. I mean, I don't even like touching anchovies, to be honest. If you're going to do that, and I'm not saying you have to, but if you do choose to stalk me by sending me pizzas, just do it plain cheese. Let me put my own stuff on it. I like weird things. Like, have you ever had mango habanero cream cheese spread on top of a cheese pizza? It's amazing. But um, to digress from that, I think that there is a very clear reason why that person is behaving that way. Like, why would somebody go to all that trouble to learn somebody's address to track down this true crime YouTuber just to send her pizzas? And I think it's all about exercising power. It's about unconventional behavior. It's about getting off on being weird. And I will be the first to admit that being weird is not a crime. However, once you start interfering with the um, affairs and life lives of people offline, then they can cross into criminal behavior. I mean, it's the actions, not just solely being weird, but um, the interference associated with it can cross into illegal territory. And I was listening to the show The First Degree, and they did an episode on cyberstalking, and they broke it down this way, that if somebody is doing problematic things online, it is harassment, like it's repetitive, and you've told them to stop, to cease and desist, and they keep doing that. That is harassment. It becomes cyber-stalking once the person begins to interfere with somebody's activities in the offline world, like sending strange packages to someone's home, canceling somebody's appointments, or having some type of service set up for somebody when they didn't ask for it, any type of interference in the offline world will constitute as cyber-stalking. And there's some multifaceted reasons about why I'm bringing this up, and why I did that whole little unconnected segment in this episode. Because right now I would like to talk about the murder of Bryn Rainey, which occurred in 1977. It was a case that I'd mentioned on the channel before, and I learned about it from Mike Morford, who was researching the disappearance of Donna Lass, and he encountered the murder of Bryn Rainey, which occurred in 1977. Bryn Rainey was an employee of the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino, the same place where Donna Lass worked. And while Donna Lass was working the 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift, Bryn Rainey disappeared before she was set to start her 2 a.m. shift, to begin at 2 a.m. and end at 8 a.m. No, not 8. 10 in the morning, an 8-hour shift. I was thinking 8 hours. That's till 10 a.m. And the reason why I did that whole thing on the cyber-stalking story and mentioned Bella Fiore at all was because the same person, Professor Japanese 007, also left a comment on that episode saying, Bryn Rainey was a babe. And yes, of course, she's a she was a very attractive woman. And that's why, I believe, a predator went after her. I mean, I do think that that is a fueling motivation. And predators function in a very, um, well, all across the board way. It's like, no matter what you're thinking of, it's probably true. There are all types of predators out there. Opportunistic predators, calculating predators, people in the inner circle that are predatory, and then people going after strangers. 
It's all-encompassing, but there's a reason why somebody like Bryn Rainey stood out, or Donna Lass, because they were women who were perhaps in a vulnerable place. It's two o'clock in the morning. I mean, Bryn Rainey, we'll hear some things about her that are a little bit different, but Donna Lass was supposed to get off her shift at 2 a.m., she disappeared at some time between 1.40 a.m. and 2 a.m. She worked practically by herself all the time, a very solitary job. She was in a vulnerable place. There's a reason why these women are targeted. And I would like to go over to ZodiacCiphers.com and look at the article that was written about Bryn Rainey, a uh, Sahara casino worker murdered in 1977. By the way, if you don't read ZodiacCiphers.com and you're curious about the Zodiac mystery, you're really missing out. And in the beginning uh, of this Donna Lass segment, I thought I was relying too much on the website ZodiacCiphers.com. However, I have been able to incorporate a lot of other material into the Donna Lass series. I already said Lyndon Lafferty's book, The Zodiac Killer Cover-Up, also did a segment on Ray Grant's Zodiac Killer Solved, as well as the material that I learned about from Mark Hewitt and Ann Penn in our interviews, and of course the Case Breakers even. I responded to their theories about the disappearance of Donna Lass, but I'm just going to have um, a read here from ZodiacCiphers.com and the article on Bryn Rainey. In a recent article, we covered the disappearance of two casino workers from South Lake Tahoe, Julie Shoso and Marilyn Put, and they were both found murdered several months later. I mean, there's going to be a long rabbit hole that we're going to go down just exploring the murders of South Lake Tahoe. Both victims worked as blackjack dealers at Hara's Lake Tahoe Casino and um, were last seen at leaving the rendezvous bar at Hara's around midnight. The casino is only 359 meters from the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino, and from Julie Shosau and Marilyn Put were 25 and 27 years old, respectively, also a very similar um, age range, and they were working at a different casino, but I will, I will share something very big about that at the end. Less than seven years after the abduction and likely murder of Donna Lass, who was 25 at the time, from the Sahara Casino on September 6th of 1970 at around 1.45 a.m., another woman was abducted from the same location and later found murdered. Bryn Rainey, who resided on Emerald Bay Road, was early for her 2 a.m. graveyard shift as a Kino girl at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. On July 24th, 1977, she popped into a local bar, the Bitter Creek Saloon, just prior to her shift. The bar was situated near the corner of Sandy Way and Tequila Drive in South Lake Tahoe, only two miles from her workplace. The bartender remembered her that night. Unfortunately, she was never seen alive again. Her body was found and discovered the following month in a, sh a, a shadow grave. I think it's a shallow grave. That's what it must be on South Lake Tahoe in a horse riding area, and it was referred to as the State Line Stables. Her cause of death has been undetermined. It is likely that she was abducted between the Bitter Creek Saloon and the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. And this was um, an article from 2017. However, there was a major development in the case of Bryn Rainey. As I uh, said last time, DNA revealed that the perpetrator in that case was a man named Joseph Holt. This occurred uh, within the last two years. That article from Zodiac Cyphers was from 2017. There's an article about Joseph Holt from Heavy.com that says, South Lake Tahoe suspect, five fast facts you need to know. Part of me thinks that that's even borderline gray area territory where it's like, 
this isn't some type of trivia game. I mean, the real people were murdered. But I want to highlight another big similarity, though, before I read this article about Donna Lass and Bryn Rainey. Both of them are reported to have had a very similar lifestyle. Donna Lass was someone who didn't like to walk home in the dark, so said her friend Joanne Getchy. She would sit at the casino tables, maybe even gamble a little bit until it got to be daylight. What it seems like Bryn Rainey was doing was going to places like bars or this saloon this or tavern before she started her graveyard shift, the 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. shift at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. And I hope that she wouldn't be walking that at night. I mean, even if... Even if you're the toughest person in the world, it's got to be annoying to walk two miles from anywhere to anywhere at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, you only do that if you don't have to, but I mean, no matter what, it seems like the perpetrator has been identified as somebody named Joseph Holt who passed away in 2014. So let's just have an article, let's read from this article at heavy.com that was written by Jessica McBride. Just citing the source, Joseph Holt largely stayed off the radar of law enforcement for decades, but new DNA technology has unearthed a series of chilling secrets. He worked as a realtor and didn't raise suspicion. Authorities in El Dorado County, California, now say they believe Joseph Holt is responsible for two terrifying murders in South Lake Tahoe, the murder of a young casino worker and a teenage girl. Joseph Holt died of a heart attack in 2014. Joseph Holt was never on the radar. John Gaines, an investigator with the El Dorado County District Attorney's Office, told Fox 40. The first crime they attributed to him to was the murder of Bryn Rainey, whose body was found in a shallow grave by horseback riders. And two years later, a girl named Carol Anderson was murdered. So, um, as far as not being on the radar... We hear this time and time again, and I remember something from the Golden State Killer mystery after D'Angelo, Joseph D'Angelo, was identified by DNA, of course. Paul Holes, one of the investigators, made a very public statement saying not only was he way down the totem pole on Paul Holes's watch, he actually thought there were better suspects than D'Angelo, but DNA ultimately revealed that this is the guy. And I think they were going to find this ending with a lot of true crime cases that DNA will be key, especially if they claim they have a full profile on the murder of Nancy Benelak, which you heard in the beginning. You'd have to think that ancestral DNA genealogical tracing must be available in the future to get answers in that mystery. One of the murdered women was Bryn Rainey, who was 27 years old when she vanished in 1977. And as you see, though, a lot of women around a very similar age range. Her body was found in a shallow grave by passing horseback riders near state line stables in South Lake Tahoe. The El Dorado County District Attorney's Office wrote in a statement, The killer struck again two years later. Carol Anderson was killed in 1979. Her battered body was also found on the side of the road. Bryn Rainey's family and Carol Anderson's family are very grateful to finally know who took their loved ones away. They both are expressing their support for the use of this technology to help solve crimes. We won't be able to do that in the disappearance of Donna Lass unless there is some discovery of her remains or something like, I know this is going to sound silly, but the way the case breakers talked about how 
that maybe a particular tree could have been marked with an X or a Z or some type of symbol that would have revealed something about where Donalas ended up or how Donalas was murdered, unless there's some type of new breakthrough in the case. I don't really see how this is going to um, help the disappearance of Donalas, but it's, it's amazing to hear about these other cases such as the murders of uh, Rainey and Carol Anderson and how justice and closure was actually achieved. Closure rather than justice because, of course, Joseph Holt passed away. The Cold Case Task Force is continuing to investigate whether Joseph Holt is responsible for other unsolved crimes. If you have any information concerning Joseph Holt or any information concerning unsolved crime in El Dorado County, please contact the Cold Case Task Force at 530-621-4590. Alright, so I think that you can get some idea that... I mean, I know it's just guesswork, but to me it seems like this guy Joseph Holt would have most likely murdered more than just two people. I mean, it's possible. It's possible. However, it could go either way. I really don't mean to speculate too much, but my gut instinct tells me that he did, and just these two crimes were um, discovered. As it, He seems like a serial killer who is not trying to get off on this like the Zodiac Killer was, the taunts, the phone calls. This guy seems like he is doing it because he wants to target women. Perhaps in what Lyndon Lafferty actually described, animosity toward women, opportunistic predators, and so on. And opportunistic predators can function in some bizarre ways because I have yet even another borderline unconnected thing to throw into this episode. Back in 2017, I was following a lot of different true crime cases. Most of them I learned about from the Lord and Arts channel, and there was an episode on the disappearance of Zhang Yingying. She was an international student from China in the United States, and she was abducted and murdered, and the authorities had this video of her getting into somebody's car, and they were almost certain that she must have known her attacker because she was running late for a meeting or some type of a scheduled um, meetup, and she just put her back against a telephone pole or something similar, and she just took a deep sigh, and then this car shows up and she gets into it, and they were like, well, almost certainly she knows who the attacker is because she got into his car so easily. He, She absolutely did not know him. He was just an opportunistic predator who had wanted to commit a murder, and she got into his car. He was like, hey, um, you, you, where are you going? Oh, I'm running late for an appointment. Well, hey, I, I know where that is. I can uh, I can give you a ride. And she just did it. She, she, she got into his car, and it turned out that he was um, looking for someone to murder and I was talking about this with somebody. One of the few times I've actually talked about true crime cases offline with someone. And he referred to it as a premeditated murder. And I was like, now wait a second, premeditated? He had never met her before. He didn't know that she was going to be standing on that side of the road at that exact time. And we exchanged some things back and forth. And he's talking about how, okay, this guy was reading about how to commit murders online. He is... He's been planning a murder for ages. I mean, of course, it's premeditated. And I was like, but he didn't know it was going to happen at that exact moment. And the point that we actually came to an agreement on, it's amazing that people can actually agree to things if they want to, was that 
a crime was planned, but the victim wasn't pre-chosen. And I think with a lot of these cases, Nancy Benelak, Brent Rainey, Carol Anderson, maybe even Donna Lass, there could be incidents like that where it's not so much that someone is going after somebody because of a particular physical feature or because of some type of memory that's been associated with um, a woman. They may just be going after people because of pure opportunity. That's going to be much more difficult to figure out. But I certainly believe that the women that I've been talking about in this episode have been targeted because the uh, perpetrator thought they were attractive in some way, or they fueled their um, desires in some ways. I'll go back to Heavy.com. On August 20th, 1977, Rainey's nude body was found partially buried. A purse with identification and clothing were found near the body. She was reported a missing person a month earlier. She had moved to the Tahoe area from Ohio in March of 1977 and worked at a local casino as a Kino runner. According to a cold case video from the authorities, SFK reports that co-workers first noticed that she was missing. Here's another point. Firstly, last time in the, uh, in the SFGate article, they had a lot of info on the um, disappearance and murder of Bryn Rainey, and that's why I wanted to continue doing this, because there's a lot of coverage out there. But I do have to um, point out that Bryn Rainey moved to South Lake Tahoe in 1977, and really the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casinos in State Line, Nevada, being clear about that. Donna Lass also moved to that area on the night... On the, sorry, she moved to that area in the year that she was abducted, that the year that she disappeared. So there are both women who didn't spend an enormous amount of time, less than one year definitely, several months each before they were abducted. And could, could that simply just be that they didn't have the best support systems, they didn't have the best networks, they didn't have arrangements with friends, they didn't have like someone who was taking them into work and it could be that or it could also be the time frame as I said that um, both of them were uh, abducted around 2 a.m. Donna Lash was almost certainly abducted at about 1.45 a.m. I think is an honest honest estimation but with Bryn Rainey of course I'm a little bit less familiar but there's one final final way that I would like to tie things together, to leave you guys with something in conclusion. Whether it's the disappearance of Donna Lass or the murder of Bryn Rainey and Carol Anderson, I think that the geography of the land plays a very large role in this because during my interview with Ann Penn that I was talking about last week when I did the episode Donna Lass was buried at Rubicon Point, Ann Penn talked about her theory and the disappearance of Donna Lass that she was murdered and um, that she was actually submerged into Lake Tahoe, that she's buried in the water. I mean, I'm trying not to say buried at sea because Lake Tahoe is a lake. And you don't even need to visit the area to see that the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino would be surrounded by forests, mountains, and Lake Tahoe. Some parts of Lake Tahoe are 1,600 feet deep. If someone were thrown overboard thrown off of a small boat, it would be almost impossible to retrieve the body, and Penn might be very, very much uh, giving us a warm lead on that one. But there's one point where I'm somewhat disappointed in the way that 
I've been leading this series with you guys, I was hoping by now I would be able to formulate a crystal clear theory about the disappearance of Donna Lass, meaning that I don't know everything, but I would be able to tell you, okay, here's what I think happened to Donna. But the only thing that I can tell you is I'm completely uncertain about what happened to Donna Lass. I do not believe that she was abducted and murdered by the Zodiac Killer. But more importantly, I think this just goes to show us that there are predators out there like Joseph Holt. There are predators out there who are targeting women who are in vulnerable places. And South Lake Tahoe, State Line, Nevada, these towns are not in the middle of nowhere. They are not the wilderness, but they are on the edge of the wilderness. And people would have the awareness that if they were to murder someone, they could disappear very easily. And this guy, Holt, was only caught because of DNA, technology which did not exist at the time in 1977. So this also goes to show you that there's a very high frequency of predators operating in situations where they think they aren't going to get caught, where they think the victim is in a vulnerable place, and they have ways of destroying the victim's body, destroying evidence, hiding the body in places where they think they will not be found. All kinds of ways. I think it's all of the above. And I think that's just something that we have to bear in mind. So when people are going to be trying to connect their suspect to some type of massive super conspiracy, and I know I'm misusing the term, but like, oh yeah, there's this serial killer who's just going around and committing every murder under the sun. Wait a second. Wait a second. There are more opportunistic predators out there than we know, and people commit crimes when they think they're going to get away with it, and then it gets blamed on serial killer x it doesn't have to be serial killer x it's these creeps and dirtbags and slime balls that are lurking in the shadows maybe they go on to become serial killers themselves maybe they don't but i definitely think there are a lot more of these um, murderous predators out there than we originally thought and it seems like people were just out of control um people get out of control when they believe that they are on the edge of the wilderness. And that's just what I will uh, say as a concluding note. But what do you think about the murder of Nancy Benelak? What do you think about the murder of Bryn Rainey and the disappearance of Donna Lass? And, and any other case that I talked about, Judith Hakari or Carol Anderson? And even if you want to leave a comment about Zhang Yi Ging, I, I, I confess that is unrelated to um, today's episode. I just want to draw some similarities or talk about the concept of how an opportunistic predator would be thinking. And even if you want to weigh in on the cyber-stalking things, please put your idea down below. Anybody can write the show at blackboxonlineradio.aol.com. And please feel free to visit amazon.com for the book Killer on a White Horse, the Teespring page, and see you on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.